and welcome to another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jim Watkins, and today it won't be a long podcast, but I did want to pass along what I think is some really good information. Uh, we've got a spotlight series that I am fortunate and humble enough to be hosting for the folks over at the Urantia Foundation, so I'm excited about that. I'll share that with you. Also, I got an interesting email from a close friend about the podcast, and I want to address some of it. And uh, some things about the way that Jesus taught the truth and what we can learn from his example. And then I've also posted a new article on my website, urantiaradio.net, and it talks about the importance of the Urantia book in this day and age. So we'll get to all that in just a moment here on the Urantia Radio podcast. Exactly how I can explain this or the science behind it. But you're listening to what the astronomers have picked up as audio signals from the Sagittarius um, energy field. And I think the Sagittarius constellation is where the headquarters world of Salvington is. Can somebody please correct me on that? I'd like to know if if that's an accurate statement. I believe it is. I, I believe they say that the the energy epicenter of Nebadon is in the Sagittarius star system. So I that's the sound of audio or energy coming from Sagittarius. Isn't that amazing? I mean it's beautiful in a lot of ways. I'm just sorry it's in mono. I wish it was in stereo. Welcome. Welcome to the Urantia Radio Podcast. And uh, I am excited about something coming up that will be on this Saturday. So today is the 11th, I think it's the 13th. Uh, and I'm going to do a spotlight series on the Urantia Foundation's spotlight series series. And if you want to find out, if you want to listen, I think it's at uh, 12, or 12 p.m. on Saturday. January 13th, that's Eastern Time. If you live in another time zone, I think it's 11 a.m. Central and 9 a.m. Pacific. And I'm going to be talking about mental illness and some things that I picked up on the Arantia book about the way that they address mental illness. And, and it's built around paper, I think it's 61, or paper 161 where Jesus meets a little boy or a boy in the hills and the boy is very troubled and very anxious and he avoids his friends and Jesus picks up on this when he meets him alone in the hills and tries to engage in the young lad and he finally does win the boy over to him and opens him up and and then gives him what I think is really great advice on how to overcome anxiety and fear in the world and I got to thinking about how much money and resources and time and effort goes into treating people who are suffering from anxiety and fear, which is natural because we are animal origin beings and animals are naturally fearful. And throw in a little intelligence and some consciousness in there and you've got some potential for real problems. And the Arantia book also says many times 
that the world is very unsettling right now because it's going through such a, a drastic transition. I think in paper 195 it says man is unsettled. And naturally, because for thousands of years things just sort of went at a steady pace, not much change from generation or gener. Every once in a while there'd be some epical change, but by and large everything was on a steady course. But then all of a sudden the 19th century happened and we were off and running. And the world is very complex. And when you see people that are out on the street or homeless or suffering from anxiety or all kinds of different disorders, you start to realize that this shift or this, this transition is not easy on people. And this is why I think many people can't, at least in our country, they have trouble. And how does our society respond? Well, take this. Uh, a lot of problems that we have are addiction problems. And what do we do to fix that? We prescribe more drugs. Um, I think everybody statistically is on something these days, and, and, and it's not helping. And that's my point is that I, I, I'm involved in a lot of news and information gathering for another podcast that I do. And almost every time there's a shooting or some sort of mass violence attack, it's typically mostly done by somebody who is, is actually being treated for mental illness. And then there's a lot of studies out. The one particular that I read twice is uh, Dr. Thomas Staz's uh, report in the 1960s. That he believes that a lot of mental illness is directly tied to anxiety and fear. Anxiety and fear. And the Arantia book has all of these incredible statements about how the powers uh, that can be unlocked from the reservoirs of the human mind if we allow the spirit to play a role in some of our problem solving. And so that's what the presentation is about. It's taking some of the statements from the Arantia book and applying them and, and then asking the question, should psychiatry, should big pharma, should counselors, should people who are in the, in the business of therapy, providing therapy to their patients, doctors, uh, counselors, case managers, maybe they should take a look at what the Arantia book is saying, which is that people are also spirit-indwelt beings, and that spirit has a lot of potential, a lot of potential in helping us, again, unlock the powers within ourselves. So if you read Alone in the Hills, that paragraph with Jesus and the young man, You'll understand the premise of the, the Spotlight series that I'm doing. And I hope you'll join me for it. Um, you know, I enjoy putting it together. And, and I really would love it if you could come on over to the foundation and watch it. If you go to theurantia.org, I'm sure you'll find something about the Spotlight series. And I again, it's Saturday the 13th of January, if I got that right. What is today? Today is the 11th. So, yeah, it would be the 13th at noon or 1 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. Eastern noon central and then 10 a.m pacific and if you're in brazil or if you're in jerusalem or somewhere the netherlands canada uh, you'll have to do whatever you do to come out right and, and i think they'll have a copy of it too so you know anyway uh, what else is going on um oh i wrote a new article which is up on my urantiaradio.net and it just sort of came out one day and i and i just said you know what enough is enough enough is enough why is it that we are not using the Arantia book to help us solve all the problems going on in our world today? 
Uh, and I want to read through a paper on that and, and show you what I'm talking about. Because it seems like the world is not getting any less stressful. And in fact, a lot of people are very nervous about the world right now. Uh, the elections are coming up. That creates its own set of tensions. We've got these wars. We've got wars and rumors of wars. A lot of Christians, a lot of people that I know of the Christian faith are really convinced that if these, not, if these are not the end times, they are certainly epical times. And, and I believe that the Arantia book can help solve a lot of our problems. And I'm going to get to that. But I got an email this week where someone was talking to me about the Arantia podcast. And they said, you know, Jim, I've known you forever. And I don't know much about the Arantia book, but I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I just don't understand what the Arantia book is about. And I went, wow, that's a profound statement, right? Here I am, 150 episodes in, well over 100,000 people have listened to these podcasts. I get all these nice emails from people, thank you for this, thank you for that. But then I get somebody who I know and knows me, and, and they've taken the time to listen and they say, I don't get it. What, what, is, what is the book? What, what, what are you trying to tell us? So this comes into my thoughts to ponder email today. And I'll read it to you because this is in a nutshell what the Arantia book is all about. The material universe is always the arena wherein takes place all spiritual activities. Spirit beings and spirit ascenders live and work on physical spheres of material reality. That's from paper 12, section 8, paragraph 1. So that's the premise of the Urantia book. You say, well, what do you mean? What's, what do you mean that's the premise? Okay. Well, what do people really need to know right now? What is it that people in the mainstream, in the main, young people, nuns, what are they really searching for? If we accept the premise of the Urantia book, which is that we're all spiritually endowed, by our spirit creator father with whom we can have a relationship with because his actual spirit presence is in us, in the citadel of our minds. Uh, and then we have the spirit of truth, which is the spirit that comes from the bestowal son, Christ Michael. And then we have the Holy Spirit, which originates from the daughter of the infinite spirit, Michael's wife, spiritual partner for eternity. So all of these spirit influences are coming into us, but we're not either detecting them or we're not tuned to them or we're not hearing them as effectively. Maybe it's because of all the noise. Maybe it's because we live in a material age. But when you think about the article that I wrote, which is that this Urantia book is an epical revelation, that, that's saying something because it compares it to the Caligasti arrival and the 100 who later went on to become the Nodites from the Bible. And then we have Adam and Eve with the epical revelation, these two spiritual beings coming to our world to upstep us biologically and spiritually. Uh, and then we have Melchizedek who shows up one day around 2,000 years ago and starts uh, setting up a school and teaching monotheism. Monotheism was introduced and it carried on. And Abraham was the, the great ambassador of that, that great religion that was bestowed by him from a, a, an intelligent spiritual personality. That was an epical revelation. 
Then, of course, it was to prepare the world for the next epical revelation, which was the bestowal son, Jesus of Nazareth. And the Urantia book restates all of these epical revelations. And then it, it of itself is an epical revelation because it's revealing to us what? What is the Urantia book revealing to us? What is its epical import? That we're not alone. That our universe is not accidental. That we are not just drifting through space on a spinning ball without purpose, without reason. There's a great comedian, I'll have to try to find it, and he's talking about people who believe that the universe came from nothing. And then when we die, we, we all go back to nothing. And the guy says, so what you're saying is that the universe was created by nothing, and when we die, we go back to the creator, who is nothing. Now he, of course, is being facetious about it, but his point is made. How could we possibly discard religion as fables and mystery and superstition, but at the same time adopt a philosophy that is not only inconsistent with science, which that something can come from nothing, but then we also take the scientific materialistic attitude that nothing has purpose, that this is all just inconsequential, that which one is the greater fable? Which one is harder to believe? So the Urantia book is asserting that there's life outside of our own uh, solar system. It gives us an origination of our solar parent. It talks about the beginnings uh, of our creation itself, our local area of creation. Um, and it gives us a conceptual space to work with. So when you hear this line, again, I'll read it from paper 12, section 8. The material universe is always the arena wherein takes place all spiritual activities. Spirit beings and spirit ascenders, that would be us, live and work on physical, on physical spheres of material reality. Now, in my article that you can read at urantiaradio.net, uh, says that Jesus introduced the idea of a spiritual kingdom. And so he's perforce saying, my kingdom is of another sphere or another world or another place. And what he's referring to is the universe of his creation, which is the universe that we live in. Um, that's a conceptual presentation. So the Arantia book picks up where Christ left off. And I explain in the article that the, the revelators thought that we had enough people on our world that were advanced enough now that we could start to take in this information and we could put some context into what life is all about. One of the things that I find very interesting about the beginning of part three of the book is its explanation of how uh, Christ Michael was assigned a region of space that was basically void. Uh, in fact, I, I, do I have time to read it? it? It's quite funny, actually. But let me let me see if I can find it. Stand by. All right, I found it. It's from paper 57, and it, it's the beginning of part three, which talks about the origin of Urantia and the history of our world. And it writes, 987 billion years ago, associate force organizer and then acting inspector, number 811,307, 
of the Orvinson series traveling out from Uversa, which is our central universe, reported to the ancients of days that space conditions were favorable for the initiation of materialization phenomena in a certain sector of then the early easterly segment of Orvinson, which is our central universe. Uh, and then it says 900 million, a billion years ago, the Universal Archives testify there was recorded a permit issued by the Universal Council of Equilibrium to the super-universe government authorizing the dispatch of a force organizer and staff to the region previously designated by that inspector that we referred to, inspector number 811307. So what they're saying is in the early beginnings of our local creation, there was vast space, but there was nothing in it. When, it, when the Arantia book talks about the outer levels of the universe that, are, that, that have some form, but they lack energy, the, 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 even though God's presence is there, uh, nothing has yet started to take place on a materialistic level or on a level where evolutionary worlds are starting to appear. That's not happening yet. Uh, it's kind of like when Lewis and Clark started exploring the United States, you know, in its early days, and they were going out and finding this vast area of space that was completely uninhabited. So this comes across my desk from Science Alerts. Bizarre galaxy discovered with seemingly no stars whatsoever. Published January 11, 2024 by Michelle Starr. I get a kick out of, out of these people write. It says, a newly discovered object is stretching our understanding of what constitutes a galaxy. Called J0613 plus 52, this massive blob of something, some 270 million light years away, appears to have no stars whatsoever. At least no one, none that can be seen. It's just a haze made of a kind of gas that's found between stars in normal galaxies, drifting around by its lone self like an absolute badass. So maybe they have an associate inspector on its way to issue a permit, and maybe that will someday be home to a new uh, local universe such as our own. Maybe that's in the workings. So maybe it's not unusual to have vast areas of space that are uninhabited. And remember, the Arantia book was written in 1934-1935, way ahead of its time. But it makes my point that the Arantia book teaches us things. And this was the point of my article, is that right now I would say that our world needs and is hungry for truth. And that truth comes in the form of the fifth epical revelation, which asserts that we're not alone in the universe, and we never have been. We are part of a collective, organized system. And we are ascenders, and we will be traveling to those shores. And that the universe is physical, and that is where all the spiritual activity does indeed take place. Another thing that I assert in my article is that if you just put aside the spiritual aspects of the Arantia book, and you just focus on, say, the histories, like the history of our world, it offers us such great information, things that we can actually apply to our world now that would correct many of the problems that we have. For example, when it talks about education in paper 71, he says, the enduring state is founded on culture, dominated by ideals and motivated by service. The purpose of education should be acquirement of skill, pursuit of wisdom, realization of selfhood, and attainment of spiritual values. 
Now, can you think of any school that offers any of that? It says, education is the business of living. It must continue throughout a lifetime so that mankind may gradually experience the ascending levels of mortal wisdom, which are the knowledge of things, the realization of meanings, the appreciation of values, the nobility of work, duty, the mo motivation of goals, morality, the love of service, character, and cosmic insight, spiritual discernment. And then, by means of these achievements, many will ascend to the mortal ultimate of mind attainment and God consciousness. Then it goes on to talk about the characters of statehood. What makes a good state? The evolution of statehood entails progress from level to level as follows. The creation of a three, threefold government, check. The freedom of social, political, and religious activities, kind of there. Number three, the abolition of all forms of slavery and human bondage. We're not there yet. The ability of the citizenry to control the levying of taxes. Now you start to ask yourself, why would these revelators go to the trouble of telling us about the characters of statehood unless they were trying to tell us what the characters of statehood are to help in our development? Number five, the establishment of universal education. Learning extended from the cradle to the grave. If every country in the world would adopt these, what they are, 10, 11, 12, how many are there? 12, uh, the worldwide vogue of pursuit of wisdom. 12 ways you can run a great country. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm referring to, is the fact that we should take this Urantia book that we have that has all this wealth of information and apply it to solving a lot of our earthly problems at this time. And I truly, believe, I truly believe that that was the intent of the revelation, to help man get to the next level, to move him farther away from his animalistic, fear-based, anxious-based uh, position. Uh, and I think it's an important first step for us to first recognize that we are not alone, and we never were. And I think every human being on this planet, if they knew that basic truth, if they just knew that basic truth, their whole worldview would change for the better. All right, well, that's going to do it. I'll give you a few minutes to sort of take all that in. It's a lot to digest, but I sure appreciate you stopping by. Don't forget, you can always reach me, Radio at gmail.com. Radio at gmail.com. Thank you again for stopping by.